As far as I remember, I always wished for the end of the world. My name is Juliet, and I survived the apocalypse. You think I'm lucky? You're wrong. All that's left now are memories. But sometimes, memories can save your life. Because every mistake you make, you make it for a reason. So uh, I'm here talking to Matthew Turi, who is the uh, director of the new film Hostile, which uh, comes out in uh, on DVD and I guess probably what uh, iTunes, Google Play yeah. in on Canada the and the United States uh, in September. Yeah, on the same day as the DVD. Yeah, awesome. It's awesome. Uh, so, September the fourth, I guess. Yeah, September fourth. Okay, that's good to know. All right, so Matthew, this is your uh, first feature film, but um, you've worked behind the scenes on a ton of big features um, in various capacities, including uh, the G.I. Joe franchise, mm-hmm. Unglorious Bastards, Sherlock Holmes, the Guy Ritchie films. And I just want to give people a sense of your, you know, your journey from, um, you know, where you started. You live in Paris, I think, right? Yeah. And how do you, how do you live in Paris and get jobs on these big films? Like, do you have to travel back and forth? Like, what is your life like <laughs> when you work uh, on these films? Yeah, okay. So, um, at the beginning, actually, I was living in Cannes, when you can find the film festival, but that's just for, you know, two weeks, and all the other time, there is actually nothing here. <laughs> so, um, when I was 18, I just decided to go to Paris to to work in the movie industry, because in France, it's you know, just a little uh, industry. Uh, and it's very concentrated in Paris, where you can find all the production, etc. So I was I was there to learn and to maybe find some jobs, I don't know. And I just did a uh, cinema school. Uh, and at the end of the school, actually, it's, it's just about luck, you know, I was, I, I got a phone call from someone and he talked to me and he said, uh, he, he was a friend of mine and he said oh I can't I have a job I don't know what it is but I can't be there do you want to do it I know it's related to some movie but I don't know the title and the title was a working title it was uh, uh, Dark uh, Dark something and actually it was G.I. Joe but it was a sacred title you know so I was like yeah sure I could do that and uh, it was actually a very very you know I was a set production assistant so basically the assistant of the assistant of the assistant are the man who bring coffee, uh, so so it was just about you know met, being on set and you know just telling to people we are shooting a movie so don't stay here <laughs> and that was my first job on uh, on a set and it was on GI Joe and after that um, actually in France you know it's uh, one just one production executive production who had the 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 whole market when we are talking about um, foreign language movies and especially blockbuster, American blockbuster. So in maybe four or five years, I worked on, maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 big 
big, big movies. And I just, you know, began to be the assistant of the assistant and extra. <laughs> and after that, I was, you know, third AD and second AD. And then I was like, I really want to direct, to direct movies. I, 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 I did some short film and I really, really need to choose at the moment because I, I could feel that if I didn't choose one way or the other, it won't work for both. So I decided to stop everything on movies like that on, on set production assistant then uh, third ID and I said, okay, now I stop and I just focus my on my feature film. And, uh, right, so um, I have a couple questions about uh, Paris. I'll just start there. Yeah. Or in the, 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 the French um, film scene in general. So uh, France has, uh, you know, its own sustainable film industry in a lot of ways. Um, uh, you know, s- certainly American films play in, in France, but um, the, the, the French industry seems to uh, pay for itself in, in a way. I, I imagine it's because you have a lot of commercial films yep. that are made in France, uh, as well as all the sort of like big art, art stuff that we get here. But what is, what is the general feeling around, um, you know, guys like you who want to direct uh, genre films in France? Like, is there a lot of support for guys who are like, oh, I really want to do like a post. The only person I can really think of is, you know, a guy like Luc Besson. But I, I mean, there must be others um, sure. who want to do uh, science fiction movies or action movies, stuff like that. So basically, it's very paradoxical in, in France because the movie industry is very powerful, but it's mainly focused on comedies. Um, and for a simple reason, it's because it's mainly financed by the TV. And the French TV uh, needs to have it's 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 a free uh, for men it's a free TV uh, so it has to have some uh, programs they can show to people at eight and they don't want to finance a violent movie because they won't be able to use them so that's kind of tricky if you're talking about genre movies and if you want to do some movies like hostile or or even like all the movies that just uh, cross the border or like, uh, you know, Frontier and the Vice, uh, Alexandre Aja's first movie, uh, it was called uh, Haute Tension. Um, all that kind of movies, you know, maybe you can uh, see that movie and you say, oh, that, that works. But in France, it's very, very, very difficult to do just that kind of movies. Because, you know, we have maybe two or three movies like that a year uh, in France that are produced. So... That's kind of complicated, but they exist. So you always find, you know, some some crazy producers with balls, and they just want to to do that kind of movies because they grew up with Jaws and with uh, The Thing and with oh, Alien and all that kind of movie that they want to see in France. Okay. Um, so uh, Hostile is a very um, intimate story for people who don't know set in the apocalypse it centers around one character named Juliet yeah. um, who um, gets gets trapped one evening and through a series of flashbacks we learn about her life prior to the apocalypse while she's trying to survive in the apocalypse it's, it's incredibly well done and I'm curious like what inspired you um, to, to write the story um, first of all and like what kind of inspirations did you have leading up to it? Like I, I definitely sense a kind of I am legend vibe, a, a sort of quiet earth, you know, like a sort of person alone in the apocalypse. Um, what were some of your inspirations? Uh, um, so um, 
at first, um, you know that I did a, the short film Sons of Chaos, and after that, I did a, a Broken. So it was two different, very, very different short films. And um, Xavier, Xavier, Jean told me, uh, "Oh, you, you should. I think you're ready to to write a feature film. You should try and just give me some ideas, and I will tell you which one is, I think, uh, the best for you." And uh, I just pitched him uh, some ideas and the one of study was like oh th that one could be cool because it's just uh, one person in a car that sounds cheap for for the first movie in France uh, finance independently so let's I think you should write this one so I was like okay that's gonna be very simple very concept like uh, and then uh, I after broken because it was at the same time um, I was like, I really, really need a backstory to, to the main character. And, you know, I don't feel just to write some flashbacks. I need to write a complete backstory to her and, and for her. And then maybe to pick one or two and then put that in the movie. And I begin to write, write, write. And, and then I was like, I don't want to cut anything. <laughs> I want to try to just to do a 50-50 and kind of weird movie like the movies a mutant like like the monster you know it's 50 50 and i tried and and i thought it was maybe uh something that you know when you talk about post-apocalyptic movies er, uh, with creatures everybody has some reference and uh, with very very good reference so i was like maybe that could be the difference just that so i just try to protect that uh, from the beginning to the end and that's why you have that kind of strange uh, strange relation between the scene and very different atmosphere and different even different movies two in one and about the references uh, that's kind of interesting that you quote um, I am legend because actually the main reference of the movie is I am legend the book uh, the Madison one and uh, it's my favorite book ever I read it twice a year um, and for I love. I also love all the the adaptation, three or two or three. I don't remember how how many I've seen, but the Will Smith one, the last the last one was very cool, and it's always different from the book. Actually, the book is, I think, a masterpiece that has never been properly adapted uh, as it is, and uh, I really wanted to see the Delta version that we will never see, but. Um, and also uh, a big, big, big reference was uh, um, The Last of Us, the video game, uh, which I love. <laughs> and I find it's, I think it's, uh, I, I read that, I don't, I think it was in Empire, the, the Citizen Kane of video game. And for me, that, that's exactly it. Um, so actually, that was the two main uh, inspiration for Hostile. Um, so... You're right that uh, the movie um, could feel to someone who's not expecting it. The flashbacks yeah. and how much, how many flashbacks there are in the film uh, could could uh, throw them off a little bit, only because it's not something we've seen before. But I will. This is one of those one of those things that you we have to kind of dance around talking about the the the, the ending because I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> yeah. But once you get to the end, you realize that all that all that work has been in service of something, I think, profound. And one of the things that I was I was curious about um, is, I mean, it sounds like you didn't have the script before you pitched, so that, that kind of answers my question, but when you were writing, 
did you have that ending in mind or was it something you ended up writing to uh, or, or coming to after a couple drafts or whatever? Uh, it, it came to me um, just after, uh, after the first try of just at flashbacks, I was like, okay, what, what I'm going to tell in the flashbacks? And I was like, I don't want to do a movie uh, with flashbacks for explaining explaining the, the, the post-apocalyptic was was not, you know, what I wanted to tell with the flashbacks. So I was like, what what do I want to tell? So maybe I just want to tell the backstory, but I want, I don't want it to be, you know, um, to to be forced to be to be there, but we don't know how. So I, I was like, I need to find uh, a justification, uh, a reason why I do that. And I was like, okay, so it has to be at the end. And what what could I do? And I was, I was like, I really, maybe it's not a good idea. And one night I was like, okay, I, I, I have it. So I won't spoil it, but <laughs> yeah. I, I found the, and, and I was like, okay, that's kind of a risky move because I know uh, even today after some screening, I was like, okay, I know that some people will, uh, will say that's too much or that's not what, that's not something I can accept. And some of them are, I love it. Some of them, I, I hate it. Just the end. I have that kind of, and I, I love that kind of, you know, commentary. Oh, I love your movie, but I hated the end. <laughs> so, and, and some of them are, are the opposite and some of them are, love everything. I hate everything. That's the movie business. But I just wanted to do something different. So, and I really, I don't want to cheat with the audience. I, if you look at the movie again, you can see, uh, some clues and some, you know, some stuff like that, uh, that it's not, you, you could have guessed and some are guessing it. So, and, uh, I mean, I think it's, it's, it, it's one of those things where audiences can, can, can be very hard to please because if you went with a more, let's say, uh, like generic or a safer ending or, um, uh, just an ending that, that, was ambiguous that mm -hmm. just sort of gave a sense that her story will continue or something, then I think people would have kind of shrugged their shoulders yeah, ultimately. Sure. And, sure. and, and they would say, yeah, it was a good movie. And then they kind of might've forgotten about it, but like making a, making a, a, a bolder choice that yeah. divides people, this movie will stay with them, whether they liked it or not. I think that's ultimately like as a storyteller, probably the way you want to go. So I, sure. I understand to, to me, it reminded me, the movie is so intimate that I think that the ending is in keeping with that intimacy. And so as a whole, it made sense as a piece of art. And to me, it reminded me more of like uh, a great episode of the Twilight Zone or something where, you know, it, 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 <laughs> it, it, it doesn't have to, it, it tells a very, um, you know, contained story and it's, and it's very focused on, you know, the main characters and it sort of stays that way and it's not about explaining uh the whole world and the future and the past and what's yeah. going to come you know for humanity so for me i mean yeah as a piece i thought it made it made perfect sense i mean i was taken aback by the ending as well but i think given some space i think it was um a good art artistic choice on your behalf so i mean it's, it's it's good to know you stuck to your guns even though you knew <laughs> that it would probably be divisive yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's hard. Yeah, you have to. You, have, I think, uh, as a, as a writer you, and a director, you have to take that kind of risk if you want to be true to yourself. It's not about how how the audience will react to. The, you can you can use that kind of feeling for a scene, 
it's very important to put you in the shoes of the audience how they will react to a scene. But the theme of the movie, what you want to tell with the end or of the character, it has to be just, I think, what you want to tell. And even if it's not, you know, uh, satisfying for hundred percent of the of the of the of the audience, you know. So yeah, that was very conscious about. I was like, I really, really want to do that, and I know that I will have some reaction. But what is worst? Uh, I think is to have no reaction or like you said, you know, just oh yeah, that was good, let's see another thing you know and So what did Xavier uh, think about the end? Did, did he have any any uh, feeling on that? Strong strong opinion? No, Do you think it was no, a good idea? No, yeah, yeah, he, he was he, he was just uh, I think he told me one time that the end was uh, for him the reason he wanted to uh, to help me doing that movie because it was different with the end and Xavier just you know like uh, some uh, producer of the movie was like ah maybe we should ah maybe we should skip one flashback or not. and I was like uh, actually we cut we, we cut one flashbacks uh, producer was mad because it was it was a big scene in, in New York by daylight with a lot of people it was nearly Times Square so it was kind of you know <laughs> money shot <laughs> but but uh, but but it was you know it was too much I think it was a scene where Juliet was lying in the street she was uh, completely wasted uh, by drugs and uh, Jack just is here and he just wants to help her but she doesn't want it it was kind of you know pushing again on and it was from Jack's point of view so it was kind of weird you know uh, to 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 go from the inside of the car to that point of view was kind of weird. So, but oh, right, right, right. Yeah, because could because you want to stay on Juliet, I guess. Yeah, like her her POV. Um, and also, it 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 must have been a tough balance to create uh, to keep the audience sympathizing with her because yeah. w- when we're introduced to Juliet at the beginning, we're sympathetic to her because she's. Uh, in this wasteland, right? And she's she's very capable, and she's you know fighting for mm-hmm. for survival and that kind of thing. But when we see the flashbacks, like she's a very abrasive character, and she's difficult to yeah. um, connect with, and for other people to connect with her because she has you know some some problems that she's she's getting over. So you know, one more flashback of her being you know challenging in that way might have just pushed the audience over the edge too. Like, oh, forget it. You know, yeah. she's impossible. Yeah, she deserved it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, that was uh, very tricky. Um, but again, I was like, uh, I, I had several ideas about what I wanted to tell with Juliet. And the, the first one was that I wanted to do a, um, a very parallel between um, a, a situation physically in the post-apocalyptic. She's stuck in a car and someone want to get in and in the in the in the flashbacks she's stuck in another kind of you know uh shell or something she doesn't want somebody to help her that's exactly actually uh the same idea you know and jack wants to help her and she doesn't want so she's kind of aggressive about it that was the main idea and to do that i had to very to to do very very little stuff like Okay, I have to. Okay, maybe she's kind of you know aggressive, but you can feel that she's uh, in a bad situation, and it was kind of tricky to do that. You know, you can have that. Yeah, uh, I really wanted to. Uh, I I love what James Cameron did in uh, Terminator uh, in in T two. In T two, you have you in T one, you just fall in love with Sarah Connor because she's uh, she's 
a perfect mix and and she's very actually uh she she needs help from uh, Kyle Reese but she can fight and in the end she's the badass who killed the terminator but she's a woman uh, and she's not wasted and she's not you know she's capable of doing everything and still be love, uh, lovable and in T2 what he, what he, what he does is she's just a mess and she's completely wrong about about uh the the terminator or the 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 army one and um you just stay with her because you love the first movie and you know what she is inside you know that's why you keep being with her and and i love that kind of you know uh, relationship between the audience if you just like if you haven't ever seen terminator one just see t2 you just say what what are she doing that she's crazy she's 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 not interesting to follow because uh she, yeah she's badass but she's crazy and she she doesn't listen to the the, the robot she doesn't listen to the kid she doesn't you know but because you know who she is, that works. And I try to do that between the flashbacks and the post-apocalyptic in a way, you know. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think you, you succeeded in that. You've got like the T1 Sarah Connor and the and the T2 Sarah Connor wrapped up into one. Yeah. You know, I, I'll tell you this. I, you'll probably find this funny. Because Juliet in the movie is uh, trapped in this car and, and she does have uh, a connection to um, other characters, but only o- over a radio. Mm-hmm. And she sort of calls for help, and sometimes she can hear them, sometimes she can't, and the radio keeps breaking. Um, I had this moment halfway through where I was like, oh my God, I bet... Uh, this is just what, you know, your brain is kind of working overtime yeah. to figure out what's going on, because there are so many flashbacks, and, it, and, and in, in the, pa- the past version of her, she's a sort of drug addict, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, was, I, I thought to myself... I think she's probably in like rehab or something, kind of like Sarah Connor yeah. um, is yeah. in in part two, where like this whole post-apocalyptic scenario isn't even real; it's just like in her head, and yeah. and this is her her mind grappling with her her issues, and the monsters, of course, aren't there and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, that's not the ending. So, you know, anyone listening to this who hasn't seen the film, like if you think that halfway through, you're wrong. But um, <laughs> I don't know it. I don't know if that was ever an idea you had, but I thought... That was... I a, thought, uh, actually... Oh, this is... Yeah, that was not the idea I didn't... Uh, but uh, this is interesting because at a moment I was like, I won't spoil the end again, but I was like, maybe I could let it to interpretation and maybe she just have a, uh, an illusion about what she said at the end of the movie and maybe it's not that, you know? Mm. Maybe that's maybe what she's thinking just to, you know, accept it. And at a moment I was like, okay, it's that kind of... I, I, I had the feeling that I was not honest with myself, and I don't, I didn't have the balls to do it uh, frontly. So I was like, okay, let's forget the idea. But actually, uh, that's kind of interesting because it has, you know, some strength to it. So um, I want to give a, a, a quick shout out to the um, like the creature effects, yeah. and um, I, I I thought it was refreshing that. Um, it seems like most, if not all, of the creature is like performance based rather than CGI. Mm-hmm. Like there, there, there might be some CGI in there, but there's definitely someone in a. I mean, and if I'm wrong, then that CGI was pretty fucking good. But <laughs> um, did did you have a performer uh, kind of doing most of that stuff? And whoever it was, uh, can you chat a little bit about that and 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 whether that was whether that decision was down to like a necessity of the budget or whether it was um, a, a sort of choice to go more practical. Um, 
So uh, to answer your question, it's all practical. Uh, the only CGI we had on the creature was uh, maybe to um, erase some. Uh, it was for some adjustment on the on the on the maker because you know in the desert and you can have some adjustment to do and you can see some some stuff. So we just erased that and uh, just little adjustment on the eye because uh, it was supposed to be blind, but it was complicated to have that on the eye uh, with the actor because that actor has some eyes issue. Uh, but actually, everything is uh, is actually uh, practical. Um, it, uh, the creature is played by Javier Botte. So you, I think you know Javier. He's very famous for... Uh, Rec. When you can, f uh, at the end of uh, of Rec, it's uh, Medeiros is played by uh, Javier Botte, um, oh. and he played a lot of monsters in Guillermo del Toro movies. You have Duke Jones for the main part, but you also have Javier in Crimson Peak and in uh, um, other movies. Um, and he, when we shot the same year, he did uh, Insidious Four, uh, The Mummy, uh, 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 It. Uh, and Alien Covenant, where it, 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 when you see the, he did all the motion cap and some shots for the white, uh, the white alien you have in the in the movie. So so um, he's very skinny, you know, and uh, and he, he just used uh, his body to you know to, and his talent to to interpret some crazy creatures. So I, I knew him from uh, oh he's also Mama in Mama. So <laughs> that's. Uh, that's why. And uh, I was like, okay, I really, really want to work with this guy. It was years ago because actually I had just finished the first draft of the movie. And I was like, I will send it to him because I found this email on a blog on the internet. And he said to me, oh man, I love the movie. I love the script. Uh, and call me back when it's done and when, when you have the budget and I will be there. And it was maybe four or five years later. Uh, and it wasn't set. So <laughs> that was kind of crazy, but that was cool. So how do you uh, how do you keep the momentum going on a project when it takes so long to get um, to get the funding and to, to you know to get the investors and the whole package together? Like what do you do to keep yourself um, going on projects when they take so long? Does it drive you crazy or do yeah, you just... Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, it drives me crazy, but I write, uh, I, I write a lot. So I, I, I wrote three scripts that could actually be first movie, first feature. So now I have... Actually, the my next feature is one of those scripts. Um, but actually, it was very... It was, it was very complicated from 2012 to 2015 because I... I wrote, and then we uh, uh, we 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 were searching for the right producers, and I signed with a first one, and it didn't happen, and a second one for one year, and it didn't happen. So that kind of process was very long. But actually, I met the producer of Hostel in two, in in Cannes in uh, May uh, May 2015, and one year later we were shooting. So you know. It's, it's not so long uh, for for a movie process, but it's kind of complicated when you when you wait five years. But you know, it's the first one. You know, the first one you have to you you don't have. I, I was you know with two short films that was kind of successful in festival, but you know it's not enough to say oh I'm going to give you one or two million dollars and just do your movie. You know <laughs> that kind of uh, you have to find the right person and just for them to believe in you and. Uh, Xavier helped a lot, you know, because it was kind of uh, a guarantee that the movie, uh, he, he was there 
for for like a caution, you know, like uh, some someone who could say, "Believe me, that script will do a, a, a good movie, and I will be there if there is any problem." Actually, it was just one day on set just to visit, and <laughs> so I think that was okay. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, your next film. Yeah. Um, is that Meander? Yeah, sure. So uh, I was doing some snooping around, and I and and I see we've got a poster for that one. It's like a a sort of teaser poster yeah. for Meander. Um, is that is that in development? Is that like pre-production? Is that going for sure? Or is that you still looking for Actually, we are, that one? Uh, we are supposed to shoot at the end of the year, maybe at the beginning of... For now, it's between November, December. But you know what it is. You know, you can sleep for one or two months. But it kind of... Actually, it will happen. Uh, so we have a lot of people involved and a lot of sketch is done and the the, the construction uh, the production design team is working actually on the uh, on the last check before launching the construction of the movie um, we have a casting it's uh, Ber- uh, Ber- Berenice Marlowe uh, the James Bond girl from Skyfall uh, so we met and so it's kind of you know a short process but you know uh, I won't talk for the god of cinema you know you never know what happened but but. that's right that's right well i I won't make you talk too much about it but i will say we have a synopsis like a log line and it's that uh meander a woman gets locked in a series of strange tubes full of deadly traps so this for me i'm thinking this is very similar like i'm 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 seeing a theme yeah we've got uh a woman alone okay so it's very (laughs) it's very similar to hostile so i'm 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 already intrigued it also reminds me of um uh, Cube a little bit and sure. uh, the, the the soft franchise on some level. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just wondering, like, is it going to be, is it more uh, straight up horror or is it sort of a, a, a blend of genres? Um, I, I just can tell that uh, it won't be uh, a flashback movie. <laughs> okay. So it's gonna it's gonna be very uh, different uh, from hostile, but. It's a little bit more than what you can have <clears throat> on the poster on the first synopsis because it's going to be uh, it's going to start from that kind of uh, intention cube and uh, so and that kind of movies when you okay I'm going to see a woman suffer for for <laughs> for maybe two hours you know or less and um, but it's actually the inspiration goes from that to Lovecraft. So it going, it's going deeper and deeper, and it's kind of very, very weird, and and, and I can't talk too much about it, but yeah. No, that's fine. I'll try, I'll try more. to, yeah, the idea is to do very, again, something different in that kind of non-different movies, you know, you have that kind of uh, excellent movies like, like Saw, like Cube, but I want to do something different. I, it's not about doing something better, but something different. That's what I really wanted to do with Hostile, and that's what uh, I'm going to do with Meander. And, uh, I, well, you know what? I think that's uh, a, a perfect place to end. I also think that's exactly how I would describe Hostile. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's doing something within a genre we know that's very different and unique, and uh, I think people should check it out. I'm definitely uh, interested to, to learn more about Meander, so we'll keep an eye on that one as well. And Matthew, I have to run, but listen, I really thank you for your time today, and uh, I hope people check out, out Hostel, and we see more features for, from you uh, soon. Yeah, thank you, and thank you, man, for following me from maybe, I, I don't know, it's since uh, five or six years. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. Very cool, very cool. Well, we come from a, 
a place of love for the post-apocalyptic genre and that that unites many of us so so yeah. we'll definitely be keeping an eye on you 